0: Welcome to the C2C Podcast, I am your host Derek Anderson. After holding my first event in 2010, I went on to create Startup Grind, a 400-chapter community based in over 100 countries. Along the way, I discovered the greatest marketing tool of all time, your customers. Yet, I couldn't find anyone sharing how to build a community where people could experience your brand in person or at scale. On this show, We talk with the brightest minds and companies on the planet about how to build customer-to-customer marketing strategies and create in-person experiences for your brand and customers before your competitor does. Our next guest is the founder and CEO of The Mighty, Mike Porath. The Mighty is the largest digital health community in the world. And this recording is from his talk at CMX Summit. Not only does Mike share how the Mighty grew to three million members with zero marketing spend, he also tells one of the most inspiring stories we've ever heard about starting a community. Enjoy. Thank you, man.
1: Appreciate it. Thank you guys. Um, so this is my daughter, Annabelle. She's really why uh, I'm up here today. Um, I did not come out of the kind of community field. I did not come out of the health field. I spent most of my career as a journalist. Um, I worked at ABC News, NBC News, New York Times, um, and uh, really you know, kind of learned a lot through storytelling and then just applied it to something that I you know, became very passionate about. Um, so, so Annabelle um, here was uh, two years old, at the time, she's 13 now, so this was, you know, going back a little bit. Uh, my wife and I have two other boys, uh, and then we've got, a, we've got a fourth coming in like four weeks. So if my phone goes off and i got to fly out of here, that's why. Um, so uh, Annabelle really struggled uh, early on. So she um, wasn't walking. She wasn't talking. It was, this was uh, actually her second birthday, uh, and, you know, it was really struggling in so many ways. We couldn't even get her to smile or really engage with us. And um, so long story short, we were going up and down the East Coast where we were living, you know, trying to figure out what is going on, Uh, why is she struggling so much. And then we got a phone call one day uh, from our developmental pediatrician um, and said a test result had come back, and he had the answer. Um, But it was not the answer we were looking for. Uh, She had been diagnosed with a very rare disease, and he said it was unlikely that her mind was going to develop beyond that of a five-year-old. So you can imagine this was a giant kind of just punch to the gut. And um, I did what I think, you know, most people um, do. They go to Google. Right, you start searching for all this, and you have this feeling of being kind of lost and, and, and scared and alone. Uh, this is you know, what I call it, the sea of questions. Right? You, it feels like you're on this, this raft, and you, there's no guidance, and you don't know where you're going. And, and that was just the feeling of I wasn't prepared to raise a kid with this very rare disease that we knew very you know, little about. Um, so on that day where I Googled the terms, um, dupe 15Q syndrome, um, I came across some medical information that wasn't particularly helpful to me. It, it was just like, I don't understand all this stuff. It's a lot of long words and not really explaining, like, what's my daughter actually dealing with? And, uh, but I found this old PDF file from 10 years prior, and it had six stories from parents uh, who had children with this condition. And again, as a journalist, I was, you know, reading these, and I couldn't. these were the most powerful stories I'd ever read because I was on this journey now, and they were about autism, my daughter's autistic, Um, they were about seizures, you know, some kids having 30, 40 seizures a day, Um, and so they were scary in that sense, but there was also, surprisingly, joy and humor in these stories, and I remember this feeling of, man, if these other parents can do this, my wife and I can do too, and this other feeling of, you know, where are these people, you know, honestly, I wanted to, like, go find them and, and like, take them out for a beer and just listen to understand this, this path that we're on now. Um, but the problem was there wasn't a community around this, right? It was just a PDF file. There was, you couldn't discuss it, you couldn't connect with people, I couldn't share my own kind of story of where we were at at that point. Um, there was no network. Um, so, this is, this is what I envision is what the future of healthcare should actually look like, right? So, you should be able, imagine this is a dinner table right, Sunday dinner, you find whoever is going to be most helpful to you, come on over in a comfortable setting, ask questions, have long conversations, um, and at any given, you know, meal, you might have doctors, you could have caregivers, you know, anyone dealing with any kind of health condition could pick their own people, right, and you could, you know, change every day, and eventually this gets to 24-7, you could have this whenever and wherever you wanted. Um, That was really the vision of what I wanted the Mighty to become, um, a network of millions of people who are sharing experiences with each other. Uh, so that, that was the idea. Um, that five years ago, we kind of bootstrapped that. Um, we just, my wife and I just started it one day, literally bought a URL, themighty.com, and started working on it. Um, we've now gotten to the point where we have three million members of the community um, who are sharing you know, with each other. We're helping each other out. We have new people joining every minute of every day, uh, posting new content, you know, all of that. Um, on a monthly basis, we get about 100 million views of that content, um, not just on our own site and our app, But, um, you know, across uh, across the Internet, Um, about 20 million emails that we send out on a monthly basis. Those are ones that people have signed up for and said, man, I want to know more about this. I want to be connected to other people dealing with these things. Um, And we've done it all without spending money on marketing. We were very disciplined at the beginning because I was spending money out of my own savings account and getting this going. Um, And so we've been disciplined. These uh, two slides or the two little screen grabs over here, I actually pulled when I got on the uh, flight last night coming here. I opened the app, and I saw this woman post on social media saying, you know, how many of you have considered coming off social media? I find my depression is heightened through Facebook and Instagram. And we see these kinds of things a lot, and I was scrolling through all the comments, dozens of comments pouring in. um, And that last one there on the bottom uh, right is, this is the only place so far where I feel safe to just talk right? And so that is really what I think that we've built as a safe and open place for people to come together, not with necessarily their family and friends, like a network like Facebook or Instagram, but really a network of people who share experiences, total strangers, but are dealing with similar things. Um, So uh, I could give you a talk that looked like this. Um, Early on, we said, this is what, this is how we're going to build this community, right? Number one is we're going to get the the right team in place, the right people who can build this. Then we're going to set the right foundation in terms of You know, the data, the organization of it all, we're going to set all that up. And then the discovery process was going to be how do we get people to find the mighty? And in our case, it's mostly through close to 50,000 stories that we've now published that people, you know, find in a variety of different places. And then it's converting them over to becoming members of the community. It's activating getting them involved. It's retaining them by, you know, finding ways to to, to keep them active and, you know, delivering real value to them, Um, all the way going up to revenue, which is the business models that we believe... Um, would serve both the community and you know potentially clients really well, so this was the plan. I cannot give you that talk because it 's not how it worked. Um, we do have squads kind of you know set up around these kinds of things, but i 'll be honest, the way it worked was just this: we just tried stuff, and we learned from those, these key moments that happened within the community where just of course this is how it's going to work and we just learn and so what I want to do is just go over you know the next 15 minutes or so some of those key moments um, that were meaningful to us where we learned a lot about what it's like to build a community and how you deliver real value and hopefully there's some takeaways you know for you of all and the, uh, the communities you are building as well uh, so the first one uh, that I learned it really changed my view of healthcare overall was how how simple some solutions can actually be Um, so I have, you know, what I think of as the future of healthcare in my pocket, and it's not this, which would have been the obvious thing. It's actually, um, here, uh, I'll grab it in a second. Um, so this is a a photo again, back in the day, my daughter, um, struggled to get what they call pincher grasp. Um, and that's just your thumb and your forefinger and you pick things up. And early on, it was a really frustrating thing. You know, kids just naturally get this, right? They just learn it and she couldn't pick things up. She couldn't just, you know, figure this part out. And, you know, we were talking to therapists and doctors, and it was so frustrating, like, why can we not help her with this? And I went to a message board, and I asked a question. There was a mom of another child with dup 15Q syndrome, and she responded, and it was the simplest answer. And so this is what... This is a sock. She said, cut two holes in it, put a sock on the other hand, And go find her favorite food and put it in front of her and work with her. She wants that food. She's going to figure out how to do this. This, within a month, she had it down. We worked with her every meal. This is what we did. We put a sock on the other hand so she couldn't cheat with the other one. This was the solution. Who solved that for us? Of course it was somebody else who had to deal with the same situation that we had. And, and that, that just it stuck with me. It's, the, the amount of knowledge and wisdom out there of people who had dealt with different kind of health issues, just the power of that shared experience and delivering it for folks. And that was one of the you know, really key ideas behind the Mighty is there's so much value out there. We need to you know, really capture that. Um, so second was um, you know, our idea after researching, I, I thought, why is there not a giant health community already that's out there? And what I found is most people started on the tech side. And they built out all these different features, and then they really struggled to get users. Um, So fortunately for me, I didn't know that much about the technology side. That's not where I could start, but I knew the storytelling side. And I believe that if we built great content, that we could um, really start conversations, you know, with folks. And that is what could build community. So this is literally the first story that was ever submitted to the Mighty um, out of about 50,000 that we've published. And it was Amazing. Um, This woman, uh, uh, Michelle, wrote us a story saying that her daughter was alive for 23 minutes and every second was beautiful. She took what would be such a tragic event and turned it into this beautiful moment that um, really changed her life. Her story, um, I'd show you more of it, but we would all be crying if (laughs) if I put it up there. It was really about um, she knew that her daughter was going to be born and was going to die. Uh, She had a, a fatal disease. And so she knew this was coming. Um, and so she, you know, they spent those 23 minutes while that child was alive, and she said, it, it changed the way she viewed about, you know, just, uh, she says I love you to, to everyone in her life now. She said it's we have this you know, fleeting amount of time, and I want to spend it with the right people, and I want to let them know how much I care for them, and she goes on and on about all these things, and what we, what we found is hundreds of thousands of people read this story. So all these people that you know, had experienced something like this, they don't know how to open up. They don't know how to talk about grief and loss and all those things. When she opened up the way she did, man, the comments just started pouring in. People found this, and that is where community, you know, starting with this, this uh, piece of content leading into conversation, which really builds community. Um, For us, we found that the calls to action that we try to make, you know, to to get people to engage are really, really important. Um, And what we found is that um, the more straightforward we can be and the more specific we can be, the more likely it is that we can actually engage someone and get them, you know, involved in in, in some way. Um, So we had a story um, near the beginning. It was just a three or four person, you know, company back then um, that went viral. When I say viral, six, seven thousand or six, seven million people in one given day read this story. We looked at Google Analytics. We could see every country that Google Analytics tracked. Um, someone in that country had read it on that same day. Um, and so you know, as we were seeing this happen, we said, wow, what an amazing opportunity. This, this story is just out there everywhere. And we used to have at the bottom of our story a little thing that said, submit your own story, become a mighty contributor. And you know, we didn't have a bunch of tools in place to measure a lot of things. But you know, we could see people were clicking on this link. And we thought, man so many folks are on the story right now. Let's, let's change this. Let's change the language and see what, it, what kind of language actually gets more people to click onto this link. Um, and so we tested about every half an hour, every hour, we kept changing that language and just seeing how much traffic came over to that you know, given page. And what we found was um, there was one thing that we tried that got five times the amount of traffic to go over there leading to submissions for us. And it wasn't this. We didn't think this was too bad, but the one that did it for us was this said, write a thank you letter to someone who has helped you on your health journey. Submit it here. And if you go back and kind of, you know, look at the former one and then look at this, this is much more specific. It's easier. When we say, you know, submit a story, well, what does that mean exactly? Do you write a 500-word essay? Do you, you know, what does it mean? But a thank you letter? We all get what a thank you letter is, Right. Um, and this was specific enough where someone could say, oh, I have someone in my mind who's helped you know, help me and just do it. And so this was a huge moment for us because we went from getting 10 or 15 stories coming in today to hundreds. And, um, and it helped us you know, figure out that we had to be specific. We now have over 15,000 writers um, who write for us, and we set challenges for them every month. They if we miss an email, we don't send it out. We get emails coming in, hey, I, I need my challenges. You know, what, do you, what do you want me to write about? Um, and so being very specific about what you want someone to do um, can help get a lot more people involved. So building real relationships, that's really what community is all about, um, and showing appreciation. Again, when we started this, uh, you know, it was you know, myself and my wife, and, and we had one employee that we were you know, paying out of our savings account. And so when someone would write in a story like, you know, that woman's about her daughter – um, how would we show them that it mattered? It wasn't going to be sending a $20 check and saying, hey, thanks for you know, sending this piece of content into us. Um, and so what we landed on was this. We sent thank you cards, handwritten thank you cards to let someone know, hey, man, we appreciate the fact that you sent us this story about your life experience. It, it matters to us. It matters to our community. Thank you. Uh, this is the best retention tool we have ever come up with. We have sent at this point almost 20,000 handwritten thank you cards to people in our community. If you stop by our office on a Friday afternoon, you would see <laughs> a bunch of people um, sending, you know, uh, cards out to folks. It matters to them. My dad was actually a salesman for Hallmark Cards for over uh, 30 years. And I would see him, you know, holiday season, sit down, all the store managers he worked with and all those kinds of things. And it stuck with me. This matters to folks. And, so that, and then we saw they were doing it the marketing for us by tweeting out, you know, um, comments like this saying, you know, thanks for you know, uh, treating your c- contributors uh, like family. And then it came back to us, and uh, this is a community manager, Haley, she came up with the idea, she said, um, hey, you know, uh, it was over the holidays, and she said, is there some way we could help folks that are in, you know, whether they're addiction centers or mental health facilities that aren't home with their family? You know, I feel bad for them. Is there something we could do? And, you know, could we get people to do a holiday card drive? They could write cards to them. So she partnered with a hospital and and created a 60-second video and put that out there in the community. We had no idea. We got 10,000 cards come back to us. We had Girl Scout troops creating these cards. We had a senior senior citizen home in Norway send us a whole box of cards. Um, And it was a matter of because we had built so much trust and loyalty within the community, it was far easier to get something back. Uh, So aiming for impact the best communities that I know are ones that have a real mission, right? And it's something larger than just, hey, we want to, you know, we want to grow or we want to do this or that, but you want to accomplish something even bigger than the community itself. Um, And when we've, the more time we've spent on stories or people that we think we can extend that for ourselves, that's where we've seen so many benefits. So this is a woman, uh, Jean Abbott, who wrote a story for us, sent it in um, talking about living with cerebral palsy for over 30 years. And then she went to a new doctor, and that doctor said, I don't think you have cerebral palsy, and gave her a pill and said, it's safe, take this, call me tomorrow and let me know if anything changes. So Jean went home um, and uh, woke up the next, took the pill, woke up the next day, and she was able to stand up on her own for the first time in decades. She continued to take this pill for several months, and at that point she was going on 10-mile hikes. She never had cerebral palsy. Uh, she had a form of dystonia, a neurological condition in her brain that when diagnosed 30 years ago, it just looked like cerebral palsy. And that's what they told her she had. So she sent this story in us. And the truth is, we didn't have a very big cerebral palsy community. We said, this is a remarkable story. This deserves to be in for people to really understand what's going on here. So we worked with her. We stopped everything else that we were doing. And we said, we have to find a way to get this story out in a big way. Um, we ended up, within two weeks, getting around the Today Show, where she shared her experiences around all that. And months later, she emailed me and she said, Mike, I want to let you know that since sharing that story on The Mighty, 20 people have reached out to me and let me know that they thought they had cerebral palsy too. And they read my story. turns out they had the same exact thing I did. Think of that one story, how it changed all those people's lives, and it was just about finding a way to get that out into more, you know, for more people. So, of course, that was a great marketing story for us. It helped us in a lot of ways, um, but it was by focusing not on our, ourselves but on the, the people within our community and the impact that, that they could have. So the power of human connection. Um, so this story uh, was uh, written by a woman uh, up in Canada um, who had been suicidal at one point in her life, and she wrote this story for folks that were in that same moment that she remembered being in. She said, I want want you to want to live, right? A very heartfelt story about, um, you know, it was really a letter to folks. If you're in that moment um, that, you know, she said, there's a small piece of you that wants to hold on. And we saw something amazing happen with this story where it just started rising in terms of the number of people, you know, reading it. So we looked into where are all these people finding the story? And it turns out most people were finding that story by typing in the words, I want to die, into Google, Imagine where that person is in that that mindset, where they're sitting there typing that in. And um, if you look at this story, I mean, it's an amazing story, and you scroll through the comments, hundreds and hundreds of comments, and you see things like this. Thank you, you saved my life, right? This was that power of human connection. By the way, the woman who wrote this comment lives in California. She read the story two years after the woman in Canada wrote it. So defying space and time, imagine, like, just the impact that that, you know, had on her. So as we built, you know, more and more of this, what we didn't know that we were actually building was the largest database of how people are actually experiencing health conditions. And we've had researchers work with us on a lot of different ways. Um, Matt Nock from Harvard, uh, this was a, a profile of him in the New York Times, um, he, uh, he and his team approached us and said, hey, can we work with you? We think that your community is actually reducing suicide ideation, but we want to study it. And we said, great, and it will, it will come out, uh, be published later this year. But the end result was that, yes, it actually does. And now we're looking at ways we can actually take this community and turn it into a digital intervention, you know, for folks. Um, we had no idea we were building any of this when we got started. We just kept following uh, those folks. So two last ones. Uh, listen. Um, and you guys all know this, right? It's the more you actually listen to what the people in the community actually want, the, f- the, the more likely you are to actually serve them really well. Um, we kept seeing in surveys that the number one thing that people wanted Um, was actually not anything on our website or newsletters or app. It was they wanted to connect with people in person, right? They wanted individual events where they could come together and just meet others um, where they live that are dealing with the same things. And so um, we said, we got to build this. And we actually did that um, here with Bevy. Um, And so we have one person that manages all of this now. We'll have close to 1,000 events this year alone. This is one of them. This was a woman in St. Louis who reached out to us and said, I want to talk with folks about migraines. I have terrible migraines. She said, I actually wrote a book about migraines. I'd love to share it with people. I want people to know. Um, within a week of reaching out to us, she had 75 people um, you know, come together around this you know, locally. She sold so many books. She signed up and said, I'm going to New York. Can I use your, your event you know, uh, process to find people in New York City? I can sell books to them. I can talk to more of them. Um, so these are happening now every day around the country and internationally as well. And it was just a matter of listening to folks, seeing what they wanted, and, and then delivering it, uh, on it for them. Um, And the last one is learning, and so I think that the the folks who do the best job of of growing communities, they're not just leading the community, they're actually participating in it, right? And so for me, I thought that I was building this community for other folks. I did not realize the impact it would have on me. So I read this story uh, years ago that got submitted by a young man named um, Kerry Magro, who's in his 20s now, um, who's autistic. And um, he's written over 100 stories for us now. And in this particular one, I read it, man, and it was just for me. It was a a letter I would have written for my parents when I was still nonverbal. And he put himself back when he was five or six years old, and he didn't talk. And he said, this is what I would have told my parents, you know, back then. And I read it, and all the struggles that I was having with Annabelle was like, man, he wrote it for me. And, um, you know, at the time, and so these are just some of the words, you know, that he was writing to his parents back then saying, I know it's breaking your heart. You know, that, I, that I'm not responding to you and doing all these things. But I want to tell you to keep fighting for me and keep believing in me because without you both, my best advocates, I'm not going to be the person I am today. Carrie Magro now has a PhD. He is uh, running a nonprofit. He is a, an amazing advocate in the autism community. Um, and he was just thank you to mom and dad for, for helping me, pushing me, and getting me through that. And that spoke volumes to me. At the time, raising Annabelle, it was so hard to engage her. And it was a message to me to be persistent, to keep working. I have literally thought of his story almost every day for the last several years in working with Annabelle. And I think that he's actually very much responsible for this, this last little 30-second clip that I want to show you um, and where Annabelle is uh, today. What word is this right here? What word is that? Look, look down. J-E-E-P. What word is that? J-E-E-P spells cheap. Yeah! High five! For that. High High five. five for that. Oh, yeah. High five for that again. High five for that again. Good job. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please leave a review wherever you listen to this. If you'd like to see more about how to create your own event community, go to bevylabs.com slash pod. Again, that's B-E-V-Y-L-A-B-S dot com slash pod.